The Bible is a tremendous book of blessing. It includes tremendous, incredible benefits, uh, power, comfort, wisdom, strength, guidance, purpose for our life, and peace. It knows how to look deep inside of us and show us who we really are in light of God's Word and where we need to make changes. We're blessed by God's Word when we act on it, when we live it out, when we practice it, when we do what it says, when we just do it. Test of maturity is not information, but transformation. What are we doing with what we already know of God's Word? Because the blessing of the Bible comes only when we start living the Bible. That we're doers of God's Word and not just hearers. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? That was like a unison good. That was... That was amazing. Did you guys practice that before? Or? Well, if you will, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2. We're going to start James chapter 2 this morning. And uh, this is your first time with us. Uh, thank you so much for worshiping with us. Inside of your newsletter, letter, there's a connection card. If you will fill that out at the end of our service, you can put that in the offering bucket. We want to send you a thank you card and a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Not an actual sandwich in the mail, but a coupon for a sandwich. Okay, so don't be worried about that. Also, if this is your first time here with us, normally our lead pastor, Doug Dameron, is the one speaking, but he and his wife, Shelly, are in Slovakia today, Slovakia, and they're with uh, one of our missionaries, the Abramans, and they've actually already had church today because of the time difference, and uh, they're doing an amazing job there, just just, uh, helping our missionaries, loving on them, and actually, the Abramans are wanting to start a new church plant similar to the orchard uh, that has the same kind of impact there in Slovakia. So Doug is there doing some consulting, some speaking, some ministering, just helping them out. Shelly's doing some speaking with some ladies' ministry stuff. So just keep them in your prayers this week as they're there in Slovakia helping out our missionaries and just loving on them and really just treating, treating them right. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is treating people right, treating people right. So we're going to look at James chapter 2. Uh, You know, our biggest problems in life, if you really think about it, are people problems. If you agree, just say yes. People problems. And the problem with people problems is they're going to be a problem for the rest of our life, right? Until we get to heaven one day. There's a great uh, saying that goes like this. To dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be the glory. But to dwell below with those we know, well, that's a whole other story. It's a whole other story. And that's where we're at right now. We're in right now, the here and now. It's in the quote, the great movie Wayne's World. We've got to live in the now. We've got we to gotta be right here, right now, and say, how can we treat people right, right now? And that's what James is going to help us with here in chapter 2. So let's uh, start off today looking at verse 1 in chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, My brethren... And we'll stop right there. My brethren, meaning brothers and sisters in Christ, believers. And just to warn you, whenever James says, my brethren, he's getting ready to nail us as Christians. So gear up. He says, my brethren, do not hold the, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Partiality. What does that mean? Partiality it means it means favoritism. He's saying, don't show favorites in the church. In other words, he's saying, don't be snobs. Don't be snobs. And uh, when you think about snobbery, there's a lot. How many have experienced some snobbery in your life? Yeah? 
I love, I love what the uh, New Living Translation uh, says with this uh, James chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? In other words, don't show favorites. Don't show partiality. Don't be a snob. Now, I don't consider myself a snob, per se, but there is something in me that I can be a little snobbish about. I would consider myself an Apple snob. I like the iPhone. I love the iPad, the MacBook, the Apple TV. I love it all. Apple, everything Apple. Love it. And I would consider myself, if I'm not careful, an Apple snob. So, so when somebody comes up to me and they're a PC person or a droid person and they tell me this, Outside, I'm going, well, that's, that's nice. That's good. Glad you like your product there. Inside, I'm going, I'll pray for them. <laughs> and James is telling, talking to us as believers today, saying, don't be a snob. Don't play favorites. Don't treat people with partiality. A snob is someone whose nose turns up when their eyes look down. Somebody who is always thinking they're better than everybody else. It's, it's about favoritism and partiality that James is talking to us about. This, this word partiality, the Greek word for partiality in verse 1 actually is a compound word. It means to receive and to face. It literally means to receive somebody's face, to, to receive somebody at face value on the basis of how they look, a superficial judgment. And James is saying, don't do that. Don't show favorites. Don't accept people just on superficial judgments. And it's a, it's a common social disease and a discrimination. And, and this morning, in order to deal with it, we need to look at some common areas of discrimination. And I gave you this in your notes. The first area we want to look at is appearance. Appearance. We tend to judge people, discriminate against people on the way they look, do we not? Do we not do that? We look at somebody on the way they look, maybe the way they dress, and we judge them. There's a little bit of favoritism that goes on there. Maybe they've got some tattoos or some piercings. I've got a couple tattoos myself. I think it's going to be hilarious when my generation is like 70 and 80, and we're walking around all inked up and pierced up. It's going to be a walking freak show, everybody, so just, <laughs> just hang around. It's going to be exciting to watch. We've got to be careful we don't judge people on appearance. I, love, I saw this t-shirt in the mall. It said, I have tattoos and I have a job. <laughs> so we've got to be careful we don't judge people on, the way, on their appearance. The, the next thing is ancestry. That's the next area of discrimination, ancestry. Judging people on race, nationality, ethnic background. There was an African-American man who went to a church in the deep south. There was some racial tension in this church, and he went and he wasn't accepted by the people. So he goes to the pastor and he says, and, and tells him about the problem. The pastor says, well, you need to go talk to the Lord about this. So a few weeks go by, the pastor goes and finds him. He says, how's it going? Uh, did, you, did you talk to the Lord about this racial problem? And the man said, yeah, I talked to God about it. And he said, told me not to worry about it because he's been trying to get accepted in this church for years and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> You know, with all kidding aside, everybody, 
To be a racist and to call yourself a Christian is sick. It's a misrepresentation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's not right. And we like to pick on a lot of stuff in our Christian culture, but we tend to sideswipe that issue. We tend to justify our feelings on racism. And it's not right to judge people in that manner. And what gets me so fired up about that is not a political thing or a social thing, but it's a biblical thing. To call yourself a Christian, to take on the name of Jesus Christ, and to be racist. It's hurting the church, everybody. It's hurting the name of Jesus Christ, and we've got to stop that. Can I please get an amen on that this morning? All right. So that's one. I'll, I'll walk away from that. Ancestry. The next thing is age. Age. We tend to judge people on their age. If they're young, they're dumb. If they're old, they're stuck in their ways. But I, I know a lot of cool old people. Any cool old people in the house today? Yeah, absolutely. And I know some really wise young people. So we've got to be careful we don't make quick judgments on age. On age. The next uh, area of discrimination we've got to be careful of is achievement. Achievement. You know, we live in a society that gushes over the winners and forgets the losers. You know, one minute somebody's a hero, the next minute they're a what? Zero. Zero. I, I remember I was at a worship conference years ago, and I was kind of starting out as a worship leader, and there was some uh, worship leaders at the conference from my town at a big mega, that, that was at a big mega church in our town. And so I tried to kind of buddy up with them and hang out with them, and they wouldn't give me the time of day. They completely blew me off. And I was like, you know, I felt like I was in junior high again, you know, just walking away from the cool kids. And later on in that week, they had a songwriting contest. I entered one of my songs. Lo and behold, one of my songs wins the whole songwriting contest, right? So what happens after that? They announce Gary Durbin wins the song contest. Guess who comes to find me? Oh, the rock star megachurch worship leaders across town, you know, and they wanted to hang out with me. Why? Because they were judging me on achievement. If we're not careful, we can look around and judge people on achievements, what they have done or what they have not done, and it's not right. It's not right. It's a misrepresentation. The last area of discrimination we want to hit on is affluence. Affluence this is a big one. We judge people by their income, whether they're rich or poor, their economic status. We have to ask ourselves questions like, what attitude do I have towards people who make more money than I do? Or what attitude do I have towards people who make less money than I do? And this is the area that James really picks out today in chapter 2 that when he's talking about discrimination. He talks about economic distinction here in chapter 2. So let's, let's look at uh, verses 2 through 4 real quick. And he gives us a really good picture of this problem. Verses 2 through 4. He says, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel... So, in other words, somebody comes into your church, he's got some bling on, he's got some fine threads, and we treat him better, right? That's what he's talking about. Somebody comes in church like that. And then, and then he goes on in, in verse, uh, verse 2, And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, Now you stand, you stand there. 
or sit at my footstool. And biblically, this was a big insult. Say, sit here at my footstool. Verse 4 says, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Wow. James is really calling us out here. Really calling us out. It'd be kind of like if, you know, we're, we're, we are uh, getting ready to close on some land next door. 38 acres. We're really excited about that. But it costs some money. So it'd be like if somebody that was really wealthy started coming to our church and, and we knew they could really help us out with paying off that land. And we we're like, let's treat them all with some little extra special care. All right. That's what James is talking about. He's saying that would be wrong. That'd be wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. We would take the person's money. Don't. <laughs> we just wouldn't treat them any better. Okay. <laughs> Well, maybe we give them a couple Chick-fil-A sandwiches or something like that. We'll see. But James is saying, don't you see that this is a problem? Don't you see that this is messed up? This is jacked up because you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a believer, yet you're showing favoritism. And what he's saying here is it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma to the life of the believer. And that's, that's point number one this morning is the dilemma. The dilemma. And the dilemma is favoritism. Favoritism. And James gives us three ways that favoritism is dilemma to the life of the believer. And the first way is this. Favoritism is unchristian. It's unchristian. As Christians, we should not play favorites. We read this already in verse 1. My brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, believers, Christians, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality, with favoritism. Faith and favoritism are incompatible. They're incompatible. We have to remember that we are a family. We're a family of believers. And favoritism is referred to only just a few times in the Bible. And the message is simply that God does not play favorites. Let me give you a few scriptures. Acts 10.34, God shows no favoritism. Ephesians 6.9, he has no favorites. Colossians 3.25, God has no favorites. We think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Think about how he treated people. He didn't play favorites. He treated everyone with respect, with dignity. He treated everyone with love. So as Christians, as believers, as people who need to take on the name of Jesus, may we not play favorites just as Jesus did not. If there's anyone that should not struggle with discrimination, it should be a Christian. Amen, church? If there's any place... Where discrimination should not be, it should be the church. The church. Discrimination is everywhere, everywhere else in the world. Everywhere you turn, you'll see it. And the church should be different. We talk about being a light. We talk about being different a lot in our culture, in Christian culture. If you want to be different, let's stop playing favorites. Let's stop judging people on these superficial ways. So favoritism is unchristian. First of all, it's unchristian. The second thing is favoritism is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. It says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. He's not saying... Here in James chapter 2, he's not saying that it's bad to be rich and it's good to be poor. We have, to, we have to recognize that right off the bat. That's not what he's saying. 
because we live in a land called America, okay? So everyone in this room, compared to the rest of the world, and I've been to the slums of Africa, and I'm gonna tell you this morning, we are rich in comparison to the rest of the world. We have to remember that we are rich. And what James is saying, it's not about whether you're rich, it's not about whether you're poor, it's whether you're rich in faith. Rich in faith. And it's a great thing that James is pointing out. And what he's saying is that it doesn't matter to God about your economic status. That has no bearing on your salvation. Your richness does not determine your righteousness. Your valuables don't determine your value. Your net worth does not determine your self-worth. Christians, aren't you glad that God didn't check your savings account before he saved you this morning? Aren't you glad? I'm, I'm glad? I'm glad he didn't check mine. And what James is saying is it's unreasonable. It's illogical. When you think about logic, you think about Albert Einstein. He said, I speak to everyone in the same way, whether he's the garbage man or the president of the university. The great message here is that God doesn't expect people to be wealthy in a worldly sense to be saved. And that's a beautiful thing. He said in verse 5, to be rich in what? Faith. Rich in faith. Whether you have money or not, God loves you. We sang about that this morning. Oh, how he loves us. That was a beautiful thing just to stand out here and worship with you guys. I happened to kind of look up and see, see a guy just crying out to God this morning in this place. And I just saw tears streaming down his face. We, may we never get over the love of God, Christians. May we never get over that. May we never sing amazing grace or how he loves us without getting chills, without remembering how, how much God truly loves us. And God is saying in this passage, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or whether you're poor, I love you. I love you. So, so the message to us, and what James is telling us, is we need to quit playing favorites in that. We need to love as God loves. On top of this, if we look at verse 6, James goes a little further. He said, but you have dishonored the poor man. He said, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Verse 7, do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? James is saying, the rich could care less about you. So why are you catering to them? Why are you showing favorites? Why are you treating them with partiality? This is a dilemma to your faith. He's saying they're exploiting you. They're oppressing you. They're dragging you into the courts. In the New Testament times, it was the Roman nobility who were feeding the Christians to the lions. I heard one pastor say this. It, that he, can, he referred to them as the upper crust. A bunch of crumbs held together by their own dough. Chew on that one a little bit. <laughs> they were persecuting Christians. They were judging Christians. They were insulting Christians. Literally throwing them to the lions. And James says, why are you worried about impressing them? Why are you showing them favoritism? They're certainly not worried about you. It's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. So showing favoritism, it's, it's unchristian. It's unreasonable. And then the next thing is favoritism is unloving. It's unloving. And we're going to look at verse 8. And this is the key passage for us today. 
verse 8. You really want to key in on this. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, and what is that law? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep that law, you do well. So why is it called the royal law? Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we obeyed that one law, think about it. If we obeyed that one law, love your neighbor as yourself, we wouldn't need all of the rest of the laws. If you love somebody, you don't steal from them, right? If you love someone, you don't commit adultery with their spouse. You don't lie to them. You don't murder them. You don't kill them because you love them. And our love for people really shows a lot about our love for God. Galatians 5.14 says, All the law is summed up in one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. The royal law. If I play favorites, we have to remember that I'm being unloving. I'm being unloving. The Bible says that how we relate to other people, how we, how we love people, how we treat people shows how much we truly love God. It's an indicator. 1 John 4.20 says this, If a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he's lying. How can you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? It's a dilemma. How I treat people really shows how much I love God. And favoritism is, is unchristian, it's unreasonable, it's, un, it's unloving. It's unloving. And then the next one is the big one. And it's favoritism is unacceptable. Unacceptable. How many parents in the house this morning have said the word unacceptable ever? <laughs> unacceptable. I've got a daughter who is the sweetest thing on earth, but she is also the messiest thing on earth. It's uncanny ironic. I've often said if I put her in a, in a room with absolutely nothing and lock her in there, she will make a mess. She'll figure it out. And I'll go into her room sometimes and I'll go, how do you function in here? How do you live in this place? How did you make that mess? Where did this stuff come from? And I will say, help me church, I will say the word. It's unacceptable. And I'll say, I'm going to come back. And this room better be picked up. And I come back. And sometimes it's a little better. Sometimes it's a little worse. And I look at her and I say, this is unacceptable, Jade. Clean your room. Clean your room. And that's what James is looking at us going, when you're playing favorites and showing partiality, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable to God. It's a dilemma to the Christian life. It doesn't make any sense. It's unacceptable. James goes on to show us how serious and unacceptable this really is. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Some pretty strong words. He says, but if you show partiality, if you, show, if you, if you play favorites, you commit what, church? Say it nice and loud. Sin. Sin. Ooh. That's a strong word. And James is calling us out on it today. You show sin. You commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For who, whoever shall keep the whole law, what's the whole law? It's God's word. And yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder... You have become a transgressor of the law. 
How many laws do you have to break to be a lawbreaker, church? How many sins do we have to commit to be a sinner? James is saying, you know, we got to be careful because we look at this sin, as he's called it, of favoritism, of partiality. He's calling us out. He said, we look at this sin and we look at it as a small sin. We go, well, I'm not doing all this stuff. You know, this one isn't so bad. And James is saying, yeah, it's bad. It's serious. It's, it's unacceptable as a Christian. It's serious business to God. Verses 12 through 13, we'll wrap it up here in this passage. It says, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the, to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. James is saying love treats people with mercy. Treats people with mercy. Love gives people what they need, not what they deserve. That's mercy. To give, people some, give someone something that they need even though they don't deserve it. And everyone who has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior has gotten something that they need even though they didn't deserve it. We sang about that love this morning and that grace that Richard did so well with leading us and ministering to us about. We don't, we don't deserve it, but we need it. We need it. I think, uh, as, as we learned in the first week, James is actually the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, I think he was thinking of his half-brother Jesus when he, when he said this. I, I probably thinking of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount when he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. So we need to recognize that, that favoritism, is a, it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma to the, the life of the unbeliever. It's a problem to the life of the believer. It's unchristian, it's unreasonable, it's unloving, and it's unacceptable. So we know it's a struggle. We know it's a dilemma. It's kind of like temptation. We say yes when we should say no. So James has shown us the dilemma. He's pointed it out. He's called us out this morning. So let me give you uh, some directives this morning to take with you. Directives. And the directive is this. Treat people right. Treat people right. Very simple. If there's anyone that should treat people right, it should be a Christian. If there's any place where people should be treated right, it's the church. Are you with me this morning, church? You know, our, our process is reach, relate, reproduce. And our first leg of that reach is so important to us. We have a heart to reach our community. And you know how you reach people? It's more than a billboard. It's more than a bus bench. It's more than an ad in a magazine. You know how you really reach people for Jesus? You love people. You love people. How wonderful would it be at the end of the day to look back at Orchard Church and say, you know what, you know why people came to this church is because they were loved. It wasn't because of a billboard or any of that stuff, but man, they were loved. What loving people those Orchard people are. What a great testimony that would be. A lot of Christians on social media, you can just, you can just see it. They're, they're fighting and arguing instead of loving Instead of just loving. You can't argue anyone into heaven. Did you know that? You can't argue it. You love people into heaven. So how do we do that? How do we treat people right? How do we love people? I want to give you three directives this morning that should help us 
from God's word how to treat people right. And the first directive is this, accept everyone. Accept everyone. Strong words, accept everyone. Romans 15, 7 says this, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. It's been great because we, we get first-time guests every week here at Orchard Church, and we, get, we have this online guest survey that we get every week from these guests, and it's been so encouraging, more than not, to just see testimonies of how accepted they were, how welcome they felt you know, here at Orchard Church. And that's something that we need to celebrate. That's something that we need to continue to do here in our church. A lot of people, I think, that who are not accepting, Christians who are not accepting, I think they deal with some confusion. They're confused about acceptance. They confuse acceptance with approval. And it's very different. There's a big difference between acceptance and approval because you can accept somebody without approving of their lifestyle. Are you with me? You can accept someone without approving of their lifestyle. They may be doing something completely and totally, utterly contrary to the word of God, but you can still accept them as a person. You can still love them as a person without approving of the sin they're involved in. And that's the beauty of Orchard Church. That's why I love being here at Orchard Church. We need to remember that Orchard Church is a hospital for sinners and not a hotel for saints. And let me give you a little warning on that. That's where Christians get in trouble because they get cozy, comfortable, and they think, this is my church and this is the way I want to be treated. And they're calling for room service before you know it. Let me say it again. This is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. Our goal is health. That's our goal. We want people to come in here and spiritually just grow and get healthy in their life in so many ways. This is a church where people are growing. This is a church for people who don't have it all together. Okay? Don't have it all the answers. And we, we got all kinds of people. We got all kinds of denominational backgrounds, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Catholic, you can go all the way down the line. But to us, it's not about denominations. Our focus is the Word of God. Our focus is Jesus. That's our focus. That's the kind of stuff that will bring us together. And as we know in the Bible and the Psalms, it says that, that God loves unity. Loves it. Loves it. It's more than a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And it's about, man, really breaking through and looking at people, loving them enough to accept them where they're at. It's not about where you've been. It's not about that. It's about where you are right now. And do you know Jesus? That's our heart here at Orchard Church. We get uh, cards and letters from time to time, emails that are encouraging. Talked to a lady just this morning first service, tears running down her face. And not, we're not tooting our horn. What we're saying is God is doing amazing things here at Orchard Church, everybody. Tears running down her face tell me she's been here about four or five weeks and it's completely changed her life. Completely. And I think it really goes down to love. Boils down to love and acceptance. We got a card recently. It says, my husband and I recently moved to the area from Washington State. She said, I just wanted to thank you for making us feel so welcome. You've made it an easy decision to make Orchard Church our new church family. That's the kind of stuff that's exciting. To know that people are loved, accepted, no matter who they are, where they've been, what they've done. Jesus has accepted them, so may we accept them. Everyone should feel welcomed and accepted at Orchard Church. Acceptance is the key. 
Let me give you the next directive. Uh, uh, it's going to be accepting everyone, and the next directive is appreciate everyone. Appreciate everyone. Now, this goes a little bit further than acceptance, okay? This goes a little further. Philippians 2.35 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. We need to look at people, look at others, and appreciate them. Appreciate them. Find something you can like, appreciate about something, and tell them. Now, with some people, you may have to be a little more creative than with others, if you know what I mean. You may have to be a little creative when you appreciate some people, but look deep. Appreciate them for their uniqueness, okay? I look at my kids, and I, I got two different, completely totally different kids, and I love them, and I appreciate them for their uniqueness. You know, church is kind of like, should be like, kind of like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors, you know, if you walk in a church and it's only just one flavor, how boring that can be for sure. And we need to look around our church and appreciate the uniqueness, appreciate, appreciate everyone that God's brought into this church. So we need to accept everyone, appreciate everyone. And the next directive is affirm everyone, affirm everyone. Affirm everyone. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 says this, encourage one another and build each other up. Who doesn't love to be encouraged? You know what I'm saying? You see someone coming down the hall that's an encourager in your life, and you cannot wait to talk to them. Are you, am I right? You cannot wait to talk to someone that's going to encourage you, lift you up. We have a great ministry here at Orchard Church called Guest Services. We have the hospitality team, the door greeters, the Got Questions team, the host team. They do such an amazing job every week as people come into these doors and just greeting people and making them feel welcome. And, and affirming them and encouraging them. Can we just encourage that team this morning? Say thank you for all you do. But as a church, we have to remember that we can all be a part of the guest services. We can all be a part of it. By, by accepting people, by loving them, by appreciating them, by affirming them, encouraging them. Because you never know what kind of impact you can make on somebody's life. You know, you look around and you see people, people you don't know, people you know, people you don't know, but you, one thing you, you don't know is what people are carrying in here, the kind of things that are going on in their life. And we can all be that person that treats people right, without favoritism, without partiality, but just looking around going, man, that person is, must be carrying something in today. How can I encourage them? How can I accept them? How can I love them? Because you never know what kind of impact you're going to make in somebody's life. And it's important that we treat everyone right. To treat everyone right. So what is God's word telling us today? In a nutshell. It's simply this. You know, a church that loves people, a church that accepts people, treats people right, is a church simply that God will bless. It's exciting to be at Orchard Church where, where God is blessing us as we love people, accept people. It's such, it's such a freeing thing, personally and as a church, to be able to look at people and accept them for who they are and love them. We have to remember that more than anything else, love draws people in. It draws people in. How do we reach people? We love people. And we want to make, make sure that Orchard Church continues to be that 
welcoming, loving, accepting church. Galatians 3.28 says there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all, what church? One in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ Jesus. We are believers in Jesus Christ. As we've talked about, as we've sung about this morning, God loves us. He loves us. Everybody say, God loves me. Man, we need to believe that. Believe it this morning. I don't know where you're at, what you've gone through, but I want you to know that God loves you no matter where you've been, no matter where you're at. And once we accept that love truly and take it in and say, God loves me, you know what we can do after that? We can love others. We can take that same love and give it to others. The Bible says that we love because God first loved us. He, he beat us to the punch. He loved us first. So may we as brothers and sisters in Christ get rid of favoritism. Fight that thing of favoritism, of discrimination, of partiality, as the Bible says. And may we as believers love each other, treat each other right. And as we do that, may we leave these, these, this building every week and shine the glorious light of Jesus Christ to a dark world that needs that light. God loves us, so may we love others. Let's pray this morning. Bow your heads. And I first just want to pray for us as a church, just corporately. I want to just pray for all of us. We tap into the love of God and then transfer that love to others in our life. So let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your love this morning. We recognize it. May we always be in awe of it. May we never get over your amazing love, your amazing grace, God, in our life, the mercy that you've shown us, that you've given us what we need even though we don't deserve it. So, Lord, may we in turn show that same love to those in our life. God, I pray for, for all of us who have difficult people in our life, people that may be hard to love. Lord, we may feel that they don't deserve it, but, God, you've called us. You've called us out. you called us out in your scripture and you've asked us to love one another. So we pray, Lord, give us the strength, give us the grace in our life. Give us what we need to give your love to other people, Lord. With your head's still bowed, eyes still closed. You may be here this morning and you've never really experienced the love of Jesus Christ in your life. You've never accepted Jesus as your personal savior. You've never put your whole faith and trust in Jesus. And you've been fighting it and fighting it. I want to give you the opportunity today before you leave. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it's that simple. So I'm going to say a prayer. You can pray it after me. From your heart to God's heart, the prayer won't save you. God will save you. From your heart to God's heart. You can just pray this to him. Dear Lord, I believe in you. I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose from the grave, and that you live forever in eternity. 
So Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and save me. I trust in you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. And all God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate those decisions that were made this morning? Well, we, we definitely want to know about if, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. So if you could just mark that on your connection card. We want to follow up with you, send you a gift in the mail to get you started on that journey. If this is your first time with us again, uh, if you will, just drop that connection card in the offering bucket as it goes by. This time I'll have our host team come forward and we're, we're going to start uh, passing those buckets and continue our worship and giving this morning. Um, also, before we leave this morning, I want to just, uh, you probably saw the harvest party in your newsletter. You've heard about it. It's in a couple weeks. And one thing we're doing this year is all of our small groups are providing candy for that event. But we may need a little help. So if you're not in a small group, we want to let you know, we, you can help us out with that. So in the next couple weeks, if you could bring in some candy, you can bring that to the Got Questions. It's a great event that we're helping out. It's an outreach event here, here at Prairie View High School that we do on October 26th. I think we had over 2,000 people come out to that last year. So it's an amazing outreach to our community. So if you can help with some candy, be much, much appreciated. Well, are you glad you came to church this morning? Are you blessed? Amen. Well, like I said, Doug's in Slovakia, so continue to pray for them. Safe travels, and that there'll be an amazing impact to those missionaries. And then he'll be back next Sunday to continue our study in James. So... Thanks for worshiping with us. Here's what else is going on at Orchard Church. Have a great week, everybody.